Wire Bank Sucks listeners, this is James, the Notorious Better Banking Guy, inviting you to join us on Patreon. That's patreon.com slash notoriousbanker. For as little as $1 a month, you can support this podcast and my other podcast, The Notorious Better Banking Guy. $2 a month will get you bonus podcasts created exclusively for Patreon and a shout out as a contributor on my podcast. I have dedicated the last 15 years of my life into bettering the financial lives of others, and with a small contribution on Patreon, you can help me better the lives of you and countless others. The Notorious Better Banking Guy fights for you in the banking world and fights even harder to keep you financially awesome. With vigilante customer service, helpful tips on how to save better and spend wisely, and much, much more. Other benefits are available at higher levels, but I ask that you contribute to Patreon today to support the fiercest financial advice out there. Bank like a badass and support the Notorious Banker Guy on Patreon today. Once again, that's patreon.com slash notoriousbanker. See you there. Welcome to the Wire Bank Sucks Podcast. My name is James Baca and I'm here to tell you why your bank does in fact suck very much. 1,690 amazing followers on Twitter at BankBetterGuy. 3.1 million Twitter impressions last month. A new record blowing everything away by like a million so we know that Wirebank sucks, the notorious better banking guy, at bank better guy on Twitter. We're getting things done, and I'm really, really proud of that. All the hard work that I've done this last year is paying off in droves. Thank you so much for seeking me out. Thank you so much for listening to my podcast. Thank you so much for liking my posts, la- laughing at my jokes, and doing what I do best, and that's calling out big banks. Now, as I talk to you, I have two lozenges in my throat, okay? I've had laryngitis all week. I can barely talk. I've been coughing up a storm. But I said, you know what? I got to do this podcast today because I want to talk about a success. I want to talk about victory. I want to talk about our vigilante customer service, which has netted $360,000 of money liberated back to big bank customers, whether it be Bank of America or Wells Fargo, Chase or Citi. It's an amazing number that I'm proud of, and it's because I know bank policy, I know customer service, I know when you're being blown off. Now, today's podcast is special, and the reason why I have two lozenges in my mouth is because there's this awesome person named Sarah in California. It's been a whirlwind four days for me and Sarah. <laughs> um, finding a post on Twitter about Bank of America, uh, about fraud analysts, of course, you know, that's my specialty because... This is what I I rail against, I rage against. Um, She had a bad situation, and we got to talking a few days ago. She wasn't too convinced about me, but then I sent her a a link to this podcast. I showed her what we did with Vigilante Customer Service. She said, okay, I'm going to give you a chance. And in one day, we got her money back, and we got tons of people from Bank of America on top of it. They're eating their words as we speak. After this brief promotional consideration, we're going to talk about Sarah's story because this is an amazing story. I'm proud of it and I'm proud of her. We worked hard, we fought hard, and we got thousands back from Bank of America. And you know what? We proved that they don't do their job, which is what I love. So after this brief promotional consideration, I'll be right back to tell you more. Stick around, please. All right, we are back. So before I get to the story of Sarah, I want her to say in her own words um, what she left on the... Why your bank sucks voicemail line, 575-322-4127. In case you ever want to leave your complaint, your comments, your praise of the podcast, anything you want, put on there and we'll put it on the show. Um, I want her to say in her own words uh, what went on with her. And and I, I really think that we need to do more of these. And I know that I did them a lot. 
this past summer, and I kind of got away from it. But I really think the testimonial thing is really, really important, guys, because, frankly, you know, it tells the story. It, it tells the the genuineness of there's a person behind this money that was lost, and she was forgotten about by Bank of America. There's, there's no bones about it. I worked at Bank of America. I know that she was being blown off. So here's Sarah in her own words. My name is Sarah, and I want to start by saying I'm not a regular Twitter user. I turned to Twitter in early November after Bank of America's fraud claims customer service line told me it would take 60 business days for them to make a decision on whether or not the obviously very fake checks that had been cashed against my account in early October were, in fact, fraud. The fraud happened in New York while I was working at my job in California. I sent the claims department a letter from my boss stating as much. Nothing. Not a peep. Every time I called the fraud department to see if there was any new information on my claim, they would just tell me how many business days into the 60 total they were into the investigation, wouldn't connect me to an analyst, and would say scripted nonsense like, we're sorry to hear that, and I wish there was more I could do to help you, and I'm sorry, I'm so sorry you're frustrated, I would be too. Sure. Okay. I'd had enough of this mollifying crap and went to Twitter armed with ats and hashtags. I got a response from Bank of America's social media team, and they offered to connect me with the fraud department. Yep, very helpful. Thanks, Bank of America. After one such tweet, I got a response from James, a.k.a. the notorious Better Banking Guy. I didn't respond at first since I considered myself just there to be a thorn in Bank of America's side, and honestly, I'm always a little wary of engaging too much with folks I don't know on social media. A week or so, and several more angry tweets from me to Bank of America later, though, James reached out again. He just dealt with something that sounded similar to my issue with a guy from Chicago. Still wary, I DM'd James to try to gauge what he was up to a little more. He acknowledged that the situation was a bit odd, but encouraged me to check out the podcast he'd done about the Chicago case to get a sense of who he is and what he does. I was stunned. <laughs> it was exactly what I'd just been through. Fraudulent checks cashed in another state. Bank of America didn't give any professional credit, even though the hardship from the stolen funds was huge. A 60-business-day investigation. Plus, honestly, James just sounded like a guy fed up with the system and in possession of a particular set of skills who could help rescue money from the clutches of Big Bank. And that was just the level of rock and roll I was looking for at this point. Uh, on a Saturday, James said he was confident he could help me get my money back in a week. I would have been happy with just under the 30 business days. I asked for his help, and he got to work right away. That night, he composed a masterfully worded letter from me, detailing every single thing he'd noticed that was incorrect about the way the tellers at the banks in New York had handled the fraudulent transactions. He gave me the email addresses of two Bank of America execs to send the letter to, along with evidence uh, I'd already sent to the claims department. Twelve hours after I sent that letter, I got a response. <laughs> I mean, it was it was shocking. <laughs> Twenty-four hours later, another exec called me, very kindly apologized to me for what I'd gone through and put all the money that had been stolen back in my account. I, I mean, I was... I was crying in my car. It, it was it, it was insane. To say I was gobsmacked is putting it mildly. Uh, recounting the story to my coworkers resulted in words like epic, wild, and other less family-friendly terms of amazement. Because I'm in California, there were also a few, this sounds just like a TV show. 
Literally 24 hours after I chose to trust someone I didn't know on Twitter, the money I'd been trying desperately to get from Bank of America for 30-plus business days was back in my account. Honestly, I'm still in shock. (laughs) Uh, James' knowledge and strategies, or vigilante customer service, a phrase I love, enabled me to pay rent and keep the life I'd worked so hard to earn in California. I'm sure without his help, Bank of America would have denied my claim and stuck me with the debt. I'll be eternally grateful for his actions on my behalf. James saved my money, and he saved Christmas. He's a Christmas miracle. (laughs) Thanks again, James. Bye. All right, Sarah. Thank you so much for the two voicemails. Thank you for your trust. I really appreciate it. Uh, One thing that she mentioned in the voicemails, actually recorded this part after the long 40-minute thing you're about to hear, that I forgot to mention in the 40-minute part was the fact that she actually submitted, you know, timesheets and submitted proof that she was at work in California whenever all this fraud was happening in New York. Even her boss said, you know what, I'm going to write you a letter because this is ridiculous. You were at work and in New York fraud was happening in your name. I know that you're at work, I can prove you're at work. She submitted a letter to Bank of America fraud claims from her boss saying she was at work. And Bank of America said, yeah, okay, yeah, 60 business days. That, you know, someone vouched for you, well, I guess... I guess that's kind of proof. Um, you still got to wait 60 business days. But thank you so much for these um, two voicemails. It really means a lot to me. And see, this is what we need to do more. We need to have more testimonials like this. We need to have more people telling their stories. Because quite frankly, you know what? Everyone says that Bank of America is a bad bank. Everyone says Wells Fargo is a bad bank. But when you hear the stories, when you hear the people who get frustrated, when you know that they go to bed at night, just going like, man, what am I going to do? Bank of America is doing this. Or... Wells Fargo is doing that. That's what really hits close to home. Now, a lot of the times I get accused in my podcast of saying, hey, well, you know, you worked at a big bank, you got fired by a big bank, that's why you do the podcast. Not at all. Not at all. You know, I'm glad they fired me because I'm able to talk about the things that I always wanted to talk about, but I was afraid of not getting a paycheck. Well, I don't get a paycheck now, so guess what? I'm going to say what I feel when I feel like it because no one's paying me to stop. Unless Bank of America wants to give me millions of dollars to stop. I'm going to keep on talking. So here's the deal. And I'm doing this podcast because I'm really proud of my work. I'm really proud that Sarah said, you know what, took the initiative and said, you know what, we're going to fight back. And she fought back with my help, of course. But she fought back and she got her money back within one day. But this is also dedicated to, you know, you hear commercials on my podcast all the time. Sponsors. Potential sponsors of Wire Bank Sucks. I'm the real deal. I'm a former banker at a large bank. 200,000 employees plus. I was a manager, a sales manager of a mid-sized bank for Bank of America for 13 years. I started in 2005 as a teller, worked my way up as manager. I learned. I know policy and procedure. I know great customer service. My branches were always, always number one in customer service. Probably like 11 out of the 13 years I was there. It wasn't just because of me. I had great teammates around me. Yeah, we had some bad years, but you know what? I knew, I knew what I was doing and I was good at it. Everyone said I was good at it, okay? So, quite frankly, I have the skills and the will to help people without being affiliated with a big bank or a bank giving me a paycheck. But what I want, potential sponsors, is I want you to look at this this case, this incident here, and say, hey, you know what? I want to be on the side of James, the notorious better banking guy. This guy really cares about customers' problems, and this guy can really help us as well. Because two things... I'm going to show people why they should pick local banks or credit unions or whatever instead of bigger banks. And two, 
those customers can go over to you. So if you believe in what I'm doing and what I'm saying and say, hey, you know what? This James guy has something going. You better believe that if you're a partner with me, I'm going to work hard to make sure that they give your bank a look and they give your bank business. The legitimacy of my skills is unquestioned. And I know that as a salesperson, a sales manager, and a really good one at that, that my words carry weight. So potential sponsors of the Wire Bank Sucks and the Notorious Better Banking Guy podcast, listen to this um, about 30-minute story that I have to tell you here because it's really important because you know what? It's going to impact someone who is going to be a potential customer of yours. And you know what? There's 67 million customers at Bank of America, about half that at Wells Fargo. That's one in three Americans that are dealing with a very difficult banking situation. And guess what? You can make some good money. You can make some good um, client relationships if you listen to what I have to say. And that goes for you too, um, listeners of this podcast. Patreon.com slash Notorious Banker. Donate a dollar. Donate $2. Donate $5. Donate what you feel I'm worth because you know what I'm going to do with that? I'm going to pay my bills. I'm going to do this work for free if I have to to show you that big banks are awful. I'm going to show you that big banks are lying to you. And I'm going to show you that there's a better way of banking. That's what I'm going to do. I'm dedicating my life to it, my friends. So commercials aside... I just wanted to get that out in the open because I'm really proud of this and I want to make a statement with this podcast because it's really important. Now let's talk about the story of Sarah. It's a really, really interesting one. You know, she posted on Black Friday and the Thanksgiving weekend is actually a really slow one on Twitter. You know, there's a lot of happy Thanksgiving posts, but there's not a lot of bank posts because banks are closed except for the occasional, you know, Bank of America ruined my Black Friday or Bank of America ruined my Thanksgiving because my card is blocked or whatever. There's a hold on my check was a big one. All those things happen, and but there wasn't a lot of it, and there wasn't a lot of activity because people were, you know, with their families and whatnot. And you know, they're pretty snide posts. I mean, it's 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 okay because when you're frustrated with something, you want to be kind of sarcastic. And then she put, "Wow, so thankful for so many things this hashtag Thanksgiving." But you know what I'd be most thankful for would be for Bank of America fraud analysts, quote unquote, to arrive at the very obvious conclusion that Bank of America gave my money away to a thief, and they should return it to me right away. Like that post. And then a little bit later on in the day, happy hashtag Black Friday. Just spoke to Bank of America hashtag fraud claims customer service. And I am 30 to 60 business days into my absurd investigation. Who would have guessed it would take more than 30 business days to figure out that their teller gave my money away to a thief with bad fake checks? Once she did that tweet, I already knew that I could help her. Because if they're fake checks and she didn't do them, I can prove that right away just with a couple of a couple of questions, I guess. So, you know, I reached out to her the way that I always do reach out to people. And then, you know, I asked, you know, the, do they say that the signatures match? And then she says, no, it'd be bonkers if they did because they sent me copies of the checks and the signatures can be more different. It's so insane. The teller was negligent. End of story. So, of course, I reach out heavy-handed. I said, DM me if you want some help. I used to work there as a manager. I used to, you know, be Bank of America for 13 years, essentially. So maybe I can give you some expertise. <clears throat> so we DM each other. And I come across as kind of heavy-handed. I understand that. It's kind of weird whenever just someone that you don't know is commenting on your stuff. I've done over 30,000 tweets in the last year by just commenting on people's stuff because they have a problem. And I already have the answer to their problem and it's just a matter of them trusting me enough to help them. Do I help all 30,000 people? Hell no. 
probably two-thirds of them just ignore my posts. So I'm just kind of tweeting at them in vain. But to the third of the people who listen, there's two sections of those. There's the you know the people who just want to scream to the high heavens that they're getting screwed. It's like, oh, Bank of America ripped me off. And they're creating all kinds of fake hashtags. Hashtag Bank of America should eat dark meat only or, you know, some crap like that. People get really, really upset and they just want to be heard. And they want to be heard by other Twitter, um, you know, users. They want to be heard by Bank of America or someone who can help them. And then there's some people who are just venting. And they don't necessarily really want help, but they just want to kind of put it out there. It's kind of, it's kind of cathartic, you know. It's like I just want to put that out there. That way, someone can see it, and maybe that'll make a difference. I think Sarah was probably in number two. I don't know if she was necessarily looking for help, but she didn't want to put it out there. <clears throat> so after I, um, you know, talked to her initially, I told her what I thought it was. I thought it was likely, you know, a, a branch manager and a branch trying to fight. Uh, taking the loss on their center because they lose bonuses, people could lose their jobs and whatnot. It's this whole political thing behind the scenes. Or, you know, the claim department, what their job is, is to keep you busy, to keep you occupied like you're a two-year-old. Hey, nice nice picture that you drew there, little one. Go ahead and play with your blocks. Go ahead and play with your toys now. Their goal is to distract you until the time runs out. They go, you know what, we found out that it was your checks and we're sorry. We can refund you. So um, have a nice day. Thank you for banking with Bank of America. All those things happen. So I let her know right off the bat. You know, that's what I think it was. And then, you know, on the DM, she says, I just want this nonsense resolved faster. 60 business days is crap because they won't tell me what branch it's done at. I'll tell you more about that in a second. You know, they claim because people might go in there and try to harass the employees, but I'm across the country. So her fraud happened in New York City. She's in California, okay? So think about this. Thousands of miles separate those two. And Bank of America's like, well, we don't know. You might be across the country and you just might have decided to commit some fraud. Likely story that you're in California. But, you know, people do things. Literally, that's what Bank of America does and says. They literally will try to find anything. Like if you visited New York two years ago, they're going to say, well, I don't know. You went to uh, Applebee's in New York City in 2017, so... I'm going to say these are valid charges because I know you have visited New York in the past. I mean, what the hell is that? It's so stupid. It doesn't make any sense. So, you know, I was laughing at what she was telling me that they were telling her. And she said that she had the copies of the checks. And then I just said straight up, I said, I can help you. I can get your money back in a week if you allow me to help. I was a manager. I dealt with claims. I dealt with losses. I've taken losses. I worked there 13 years and I know everything there is to know about fraud. <clears throat> so... I sent her my link to my podcast, and this was really important. I sent her to um, a link to the podcast for Brian in Chicago. Shout out to Brian if he's listening. I rescued $4,000 for him because someone used his identity in North Carolina, the headquarters of Bank of America, to cash fake checks while he was at work in Chicago. And Bank of America declined his claim, and they were pretty much going to screw him out of $4,000 until I fought for him and I proved otherwise that, hey, he got robbed, and he got his money back. I sent her that link to the podcast, which I don't normally do. I normally don't do that. I say, you know, I said, here's my podcast. I've done this before. This sounds like this scenario. And then she put, thanks, I'll take a listen. <laughs> and 36 years old, being an adult male, asking girls out on dates, asking people, hey, would you like to apply for a Bank of America cash rewards card? I know what it's like to feel blown off. 
I know what it's like to feel that this person's going to say no. I know this because I heard no probably 40 times a day while working at Bank of America. Would you like to do this? No. Would you like to do No. How about applying for No. Like, I hear it all the time. No's don't bother me, which is kind of scary, by the way. Whole other topic. I mean, I have no fear. I, I, I don't take rejection well, but at the same time, uh, hearing a no doesn't stop me from pursuing a sale, for instance. That's just why I, I don't want to be in sales again, because I don't like to be that pushy. And it's just because Bank of America kind of rotted my brain to where, don't hear no's, James. That's just another opportunity to try again next time. Whatever. So she said, thanks, I'll take a listen. I thought I would never hear from her again. So I just kind of laid it out there and I said, hey, I've recovered $330,000 you know, for people since I started. I said, I'm trying to redeem myself after 13 years of doing bad for Bank of America. And she said, well, I have to be honest, I can't pay. I'm finding this whatever I have that's free so I don't make much and they let someone steal so much. And I kind of got offended, but I didn't. I said, you know what? I don't do this for the money from you. I'm not, you know, I'm not the three amigos. I'm not going to split half of your money that we recover from the enemies. It's not that way. I was like, if you want to donate, that's fine. But that's not on you. I'm like, I'm not looking for money. I'm not looking for a free lunch here. And she said, and she didn't say anything. And I was like, you know, I respect your privacy. Your problem is a problem I've seen a million times. You're experiencing a disconnect with these people and I can help. And then she said she was wary, which I understood. And you know what? Be wary of people because if they have... If they have all these boastful claims, and I'm Mr. Boastful, I'm, I've always been Mr. Boastful, um, have some skepticism, but also do your research at the same time. You know, not everyone is a Nigerian prince, although I can tell you, I've helped two people, well, I've had two people in my life from Nigeria, one I worked with at Bank of America, nicest person ever, one of the best co-workers I ever had. Ironically enough, she fell for a Nigerian scam, I'm not kidding. She had this whole Western Union money order deal where she lost thousands of dollars. They almost fired her because she got scammed. And it had nothing to do with Bank of America. She got scammed at another bank and they're like, well, we can't have her on staff. They almost fired her because of that. And another customer of mine from here in Las Cruces, New Mexico, um, she's from Nigeria. She's a really awesome person. She used to make me these huge just like dishes of rice and chicken and then rice and shrimp. It was like some of the best food I ever had. Food that would have got me fired had my bosses seen it, by the way. Because they said, oh, it's a conflict of interest. You're accepting gifts from customers. Man, she just wanted to make me food. And it was some of the best food I ever had. And honestly, I wish I worked at Bank of America still so I could have some of her food. So, lay off Bank of America. Anyway, I'm getting off subject here. But I want to get back to Sarah's story. So, I didn't hear anything from Sarah. I thought I was never going to talk to her again as of Friday. I just kind of assumed that. And um, my wife went to go pick up um, one of her friends at the airport in El Paso, which is like 50 miles away. So I'm sitting at home watching World Wrestling Entertainment. I'm watching some old school 1980s wrestling. And I get a, a DM from Sarah and she says, wow, as the youth say, I'm shook after listening to that podcast. And then she told me a minute later, like she, like I could tell that she bought in when she listened to that podcast. And she said, the numbers on my license are start out on the back, but they do have the right expiration. And the address printed on the check is the same as the one as my license. And I haven't lived there in five years. And BOA has the newest address of me on my on the system. And I said, you know what? That's Bank of America for you. They weren't paying attention. So we started talking about how many more business days she has. And she has 30 more business days. I was like... That's next year. That's gonna be a whole. That's gonna be 2020 before they say, "Hey, yeah, now we're gonna decline this." 
this is the reality, guys, that people deal with with Bank of America. So I told her, I said, I would love to see the checks. If you show me the checks, I will be able to tell you the whole story, including where they were cashed at. I said, if you if you feel uncomfortable with some of the information being shared with me, block it out. I don't want to see it. I I don't even want to I don't even want to know your full name to be honest with you because I don't need to know that. I just need to know the times, the dates and the locations and I can figure the rest out from there. So she blocked out her address. She blocked out a lot of things, account numbers and whatnot, and that's fine. I don't need that. That Bank of America that shows you how much better I am than you guys. I don't need her address and all these forms of verification to prove that you guys um were stalling her. So she sent me a nine-page PDF file with the fake checks. <clears throat> the checks that were negotiated were the fakest things I have ever seen in my life. Period. End of story. And the fact that someone from New York City cashed these checks, New York City, the home of the grifter, the home of the three-card Monty, people scamming one another, blows my mind. So the checks were from some LLC, and it looked it looked weird enough to be real, if that makes any sense. Like, the, like, if you've ever seen what LLCs are named, sometimes they just have these weird names, and it's just like, well, that must mean something to someone. And apparently the name of this LLC meant something to someone. It was from a bank called Signature Bank. Now, here's a fun fact about fraud, folks. Signature Bank is a lesser bank. It's not Bank of America, Wells Fargo, Chase, City, whatever. So smaller banks tend to take longer to catch fraud. So once it's going through the big system, you know, the big banking system that the United States has, it takes two days, takes three days, four business days before the signature bank goes, wait a second, this isn't our check. We're rejecting that. We're not going to pay this Bank of America. By then, the crooks already got the money, spent the money, and committed fraud again. So signature bank, no clue. I don't even know what signature bank is, was used in this fraud. And they didn't want to pay it. So the checks were made out to Sarah, her full name, but they misspelled her name. Strike one, Bank of America. Look at the check. You didn't do the Z method of looking at the check. The Z method is you look each side, make sure that the maker, the check number, the name of the person, the amount, the reason why the check was made, and a signature's on there. That It's not a Z. It looks like a Z, kind of. But they didn't do it. They didn't catch the misspelling of her name. If they misspelled my last name, my last name's only four letters, then Bank of America has to make a judgment call at that point. Well, do we cash this check or do we have Sarah spell her last name both ways? You know, at that point, a manager should have been in. You know, they should have said, hey, manager, I need to, I need to ask you something. This check has this person's name misspelled. Should we um, cash it anyway? And that manager is going to cash that fraud 99 times out of 100. That teller didn't do that. <clears throat> the the check one of the checks was for one thousand eight sixty four and eleven cents. Fun fact number two about fraud: under two thousand dollars, Bank of America doesn't consider it a high risk transaction, so will not prompt on their system for a second form of ID. So eighteen hundred and sixty four dollars and eleven cents. Usually one form of ID, if you are a customer, is fine by them. Occasionally it lasts for a second ID, and that's when the jig is up for those people. But they knew what they were doing. These crooks knew their stuff. Third thing, her address was not correct on the check. Now, the tellers only have the most up-to-date address on their system. This was not that address. That should have been another flag. They should have said, hey, Sarah, quote-unquote, is this your address now? Because I have so-and-so address on the system. 
That should have been a stop right there or a flag saying, I need to speak to my manager. They didn't do that. Mistake number three there. It looks kind of like a payroll check, but not really. But it's something that I'm just looking at a digital image of it, and it looks fake as hell. I, I can, I've seen so many fake checks in my life. It's fake as hell. <clears throat> so I look at the back of the checks. Back of the check tells me the story. It tells me the transaction number. It tells me the teller number of the check. So it tells me what teller did it and where. Because it has a, a CC number, which is a cost center number, which is essentially the store number. And it had that clear as day. The thing with Bank of America is they used to have cost center numbers on their website. You used to be able to identify what the store number was for Bank of America branches. You can't do that anymore. Bank of America took that away from customers. So the only people that know how to do that is associates. And the only ones that I remember are 2050, my branch in Socorro, Socorro, New Mexico, and 9731, which is my branch in Las Cruces, New Mexico. So I had that on there, but I knew that that was the identifier of the bank that cashed a check because they didn't want to tell her what bank cashed a check. Well, I had it right there, and she had it in her hands the whole time. And it says cash check, and then it says driver's license, California, star, 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 and then it has an expiration date. Here's a little trick that I learned when I was a teller. If you've been to Bank of America, they have those terminals in front of each teller. They'll have you slide your debit card most of the time. You slide your card and your pin. That brings up your profile. That makes it a secure transaction for the teller. They say it protects you, but it really protects the teller, up to $5,000. So if fraud is committed, then that teller is not going to take the loss because they were verified with that debit card. So had this person faked a debit card, Sarah may not have got her money. So this is what happened. Because the, the driver's license had stars on it, it told me that the driver's license that this um, scammer used was um, a fake. And also that they slid it. They never gave the license to the teller. How do I know that? Because if they gave the license to the teller and the teller put, well, Sarah's license is 1234567, on the back of the check image, it would say 1234567. Because that, that's basically indicating, Bank of America is indicating that the associate saw it so it's no longer a secret. So whenever, whenever the customer slides their ID through the terminal, it stars it out. It's basically saying that the teller never saw it because they don't want to have access to it. Because all things being equal, Bank of America doesn't want associates to have debit cards, customers' debit cards in their hands. They want the customer to always hold that debit card. So the stars told me that the associate, the teller, never saw the ID to verify that Sarah was Sarah, which was mistake number four. Now this pisses me off, guys. This really, really gets me mad. Because that person didn't have a debit card, and they still brought up Sarah's account, who's 2,000 plus miles away in California, and this teller never saw an ID. So what the hell did this teller do? This teller was an autopilot. Now, being a teller is the hardest job in the world. I don't wish it upon my worst enemy. I don't care that they're going to pay him $20 an hour. It's not worth $40 an hour. It's a thankless job. It's a hard job. It's rewarding in some aspects, but you know what happens? You get so much crap talked to you. You get beat down by your managers. You get told that you're not worth anything. You get told crap because you're not taking, you know, bringing sales to the bankers. And oh, you're moving too slow. Hey, you're moving too fast. Take some time and offer a credit card. You can never do right. So these tellers who probably are going to lose their job because of this incident that happened with Sarah's account. I feel bad for them and I don't. 
I feel I feel bad that they're going to lose their job because if they have families and, you know, stuff to pay and all that, I understand that totally. I, I'm trying to pay my mortgage now and I don't have a job. And secondarily, um, I understand being on autopilot because they don't care about you. No matter what this person was going to do, this teller, whether it was a legit transaction or not, they were going to leave with a frown on their face because Bank of America treats their tellers crappy. I'm just, I'm just going to say that. Just to give a little soliloquy for the tellers because that's exactly what happens. So this person's on autopilot. It's the end of the day. They miss um, identifying this person. They didn't check the check to see that the last names didn't match. They didn't check the check to see that it was conveniently under 2000 so it wasn't high risk. And they didn't go, hey, wait a second, this person's in New York and she's from California. That seems a little odd. Like, who the hell is going to walk, you know, into a Bank of America across the country with their paycheck from another state? Doesn't make any sense. Why would you do the most basic of transactions that you would only do at your home branch across the country? Does not make any sense at all. So, all these questions should arise when you're a teller. They used to arise for me. I messed up. I've taken losses before. So, the teller didn't do their job. They walked out of a branch with, you know, $1,900. And guess what? They did it again two hours later. They did it again two hours later for another amount. And that was that just really boggles my mind. Because there should have been an, a notice. There should have been something going on with Bank of America system that says, hey, this person already cashed a $2,000 check. They have do not cash notices. I know this. There's been times where someone would cash three checks in a day and I say, I can't help you anymore. The system doesn't allow me to. Well, Bank of America system allowed them to cash this second check against Sarah's account. And this one was just under $2,000 as well. This one was $1,979. Same exact crap, same exact fake LLC signature bank. By the way, the check number was 98211. You know why it's 98211 and not 1001? Because a bank teller is going to go, Man, they've written 98,211 checks on this account. This this account must have been around for 50 years or so. No, you start the checks at 98200 because all of a sudden you, you build in some instant credibility. Go, wow, they must be around a long time and must write a lot of checks. That That's fake legitimacy. That, that's a, for you scammers out there. And if you're a scammer, screw you. But secondarily, you know what? If you start a check number with 9999 or whatever, that's not 1001, you're immediately trying to game the system. So the crooks were trying to game the system with the 98211 check number, and they succeeded. So Bank of America cashed out one two hours later. You know, these crooks walked away with nearly $4,000 in cash. And several days later, these were returned by Signature Bank as altered slash fictitious. Sarah gets a message, you know couple of days later saying this was returned unpaid your account has been debited for the deposit account ending in her account number and you know thank you so much and then she gets another one a, a letter of advice is what bank of america calls it and october 16th it says um dear valued customer <laughs> you're a valued customer when they take four thousand dollars from you right dear valued customer we're writing to notify you that the item or items I mean, personalize the damn thing. The items in New York for $3,000 were fake. Take the time to personalize this letter because it's going to ruin someone's life. Dear value customer, we're writing to notify you that the item or items listed below, which were deposited into your account, have been returned unpaid. As a result, we've deducted them from your account. You will see the adjustment on your account statement. 
Of course, they adjust the, the big number checks, the big dollar checks. They throw in a little $12 chargeback fee. Another $12 kick in the guts because why the hell not? So all this money, all this stuff, and guess what? This person is without money. I don't know, Sarah. I don't know how much she makes. I don't know what her job is. We didn't talk about that. There's people that make $10,000 a year and this happens to them and they get unbanked, okay? They have no way of paying it back. And guess what? Bank of America closed their account out saying, hey, you guys owe us $4,000 because of these fake checks. We're going to close out your account. You don't just go, you know, la da la da la I'm going to the local bank. You go to the local bank and then they're going to have on the notes that you owe Bank of America thousands of dollars. This really ruins banking for people, guys. So not only would you know Sarah theoretically not have a bank account at Bank of America anymore, but depending on what her income level is and all that stuff, she may not be allowed to bank anywhere ever again. She may have to live a life of prepaid cards. She may have to live a life of, hey mom, hey dad, hey whoever, I need to pay my phone bill, but I need to pay it by tonight. Can I use your credit card to pay my bill? I have the cash in hand. Can you just pay it because I need my phone? I, I live in New Mexico. That happens all the time. I see people affected by bank fraud. I see people affected by being unbanked by their bank. So seeing that notice of advice saying, hey, that money's gone. I don't know Sarah's life story, but I can tell you one thing. It sucks. It sucks for people, whether you have a million dollars or you have $10,000 or you have nothing. Bank of America doesn't care. And they're like, you know, we're taking our money back. It was fake. The, the checks you cashed. Not even realizing that those checks weren't hers. <clears throat> so seeing the letters of advice, seeing the fake checks, I already knew the story. I already knew exactly what the, te the tellers didn't do and what the crooks did do. So I told her, I said, trust me, I'm going to help you write a letter. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be honest. And I tried something different this time. I said, I'm going to just be blunt with him. And, and I wanted to talk as uh, someone with Bank of America knowledge. The reason why it takes so long is Bank of America is identifying the fraud. Don't don't get me wrong. They know that it's fake because they told you it was fake. But it's a matter of that branch accepting the loss. Because if you're a manager and you accept, a, let's say, a $2,000 loss on your bank, you're not going to get your bonus. And you probably won't get your bonus the rest of the year. So if you work your ass off and you get 150% of your goal and you're supposed to make $6,000 in bonuses that quarter... You're not going to get a damn thing because your teller committed, uh, helped a, a person commit fraud. So that manager's going to be like, hey, no, don't put it on us. Look, our teller accepted an ID. Our teller did this and that. Our teller put a marking on the check saying that she verified it. Managers do that. A manager did that for me to, for me to keep my job 10 years ago. I did that for tellers. I vouched for them. I backed them up. It's all politics to keep that money because whenever you take a loss that big in your banking center, everyone's bonuses get screwed. And it sucks. You don't, you're not able to earn extra money, the extra money you need to make that job sustainable. So even though it sucks really bad, I understand why the managers do it, but I wanted to put in the letter. I wanted to put in the letter that Sarah was going to write, quote unquote, I wrote it, but that Sarah was going to send that the politics of taking the loss in a branch should not fall on the customer. I want my money back. I was a victim of a crime. Hell, Bank of America was a victim of a crime. Please act on it instead of delaying it 60 business days. 60 business days from December 3rd, guys, is like March 1st. That's a long time from now. March 1st, 2020 is a long time. College basketball is going to almost be over. 
Football's going to be over. We're already going to know who the Super Bowl champion is on March 1st. I'll already be planning another Vegas trip if I have the freaking money for a Vegas trip. Because guess what? I'm working hard for no money right now. It's amazing stuff, guys. And it's really, really frustrating. So I wrote this letter. And I won't get into the specifics of what I did after that. Because it's really important that I keep that part secret. Even though I'm writing a book about it. I need to keep that part secret because once that's out in the open, guess what? Bank of America will never help people with fraud claims again. Because I have the knowledge that Bank of America fraud claims does not help customers. Bank of America fraud claims is more like a... This is the most horrible analogy I've ever done, guys. So, if you've ever seen Cat House on HBO... If you've ever heard stories of brothels in Mexico or brothels in any part of the world, they have the line, the lineup, where all the hookers, <laughs> I, I already hate this analogy, where all the hookers line up and the customer picks one. What fraud claims does, what fraud and claims for Bank of America does, and there's hundreds of these people, and they're like in Tampa, Florida, or Jacksonville, Florida, one, one of these parts of the of Florida, what they do is they look at all the fraud cases and they see Sarah has X amount of dollars, has this much in direct deposit, she's this old, she works at this job. James Baca, unemployed, has about $1,000 in his bank account, used to have direct deposit but doesn't. Serial complainer about fees. Then you have Mr. Rockefeller, $1.2 million in his bank account. He uses his credit card to the tune of $50,000 a month. He has a home equity line of credit, two car loans, and a boat loan. Guess who's getting their money back? Mr. Rockefeller. Bank of America fraud claims puts all their customers like hookers in a brothel lineup and decides, hey, I want the rich one. That's exactly what Bank of America does. I, I hate saying it. I hate I use that analogy because <laughs> I, I don't I don't go to brothels, okay? But I've seen enough TV shows, I've seen enough movies, I've read enough books. Fraud and claims, all they do is they don't investigate. Oh, let me put it this way, they investigate the people that they want to investigate for and the people that they see as um low quality customers, and there is a list on Bank of America's computer system that tells um bankers like me, former bankers like me, if this person's um low quality, high quality or if they have the potential to move on to another bank, or if they have the potential to bring uh, business there. They have these lists. They rank people. Facebook was originally created to rank pretty girls at Harvard. It's basically a dating site. Bank of America does that with you guys. Bank of America says, oh, this person's a potential high-yield customer. Ah, this person, even though they have $10,000, that's all they got. They're not going to make any more or any less. They're, they're not worth our time. They're low-end They're low end. Fraud and Claims does that. So Fraud and Claims is doing that to Sarah. Fraud and Claims does that to a lot of people, guys. Now that I've uh, weaved my way out of that horrible analogy, but it was it's an apt analogy. They really look at... Fraud and Claims really looks at people and says, do we want to help them? Yeah or no? Nah, they... If we give them their money back, we're never going to earn that much in our life from them. So we'll just, we'll just decline their claim and they'll leave us alone. That's exactly what it does. What I wanted to do in the letter that I wrote for Sarah was basically say... Hey, look, fraud claims, I did all the work for you. I see who cashed it, when they cashed it, why they cashed it, what the teller didn't do, and what could have been prevented. I basically wanted to call them out on that. 
And I knew that if she would send it to someone of any importance at Bank of America, that they would see that, that they would appreciate the work because, you know what, some people at Bank of America, honestly, they work hard to get where they're at. And through all the micromanagers, through all the BS, through all the changes in management where they try to push you down from trying to go up go up the ranks, for instance, there's some people that value that stuff, value the hard work and the work ethic. And I knew that if I wrote it this way where it was accusatory of the fraud claims department, secondarily, it was also kind of, you know, it, it itemizes what was wrong with the transaction. And three, call them out on something that I know is true, that there's some manager in New York that's just fighting to keep his or her bonus. I knew that they would listen. I knew they would act fast. So I sent her the letter Sunday. And I said, are you gonna are you gonna send it or did you send it? And she says, you know, I'm gonna wait till Monday. That way it's the first thing in their inbox in the morning. And I'm like, damn, Sarah's good. <laughs> Sarah's um smarter than I am, because I would have sent it right away. But she wants to be on the top of the heap and hey, what can I say? Smart stuff, you know. So she sends it at the beginning of the workday on Monday. By Monday afternoon, she's already getting these uh, replies and these carbon copy emails from other people in her area. And I know that they're working. I say, hey, the fact that they're carbon copying people and the fact that they're replying and saying so-and-so is going to call you, I said, that's a good sign. That shows me what we did was right. Today, she says, hey, there's a deposit in my old account. So, you know, they blocked her old account from other fraud happening. She set up another one. That way she can get, you know, her paycheck and stuff going in there. But they put money back into her old account, which was a sign to me that they got it fixed. Guys, it didn't even take a day. Wirebank sucks. Notorious better banking guy. Vigilante customer service. We had the right idea. We had the right tools. We had the right skills. And in that letter that we wrote for Sarah that she sent, we pointed out the fraud. We figured out that Teller didn't do something. We figured out that a branch took a loss of thousands of dollars. And they're going to own up to it. And they're going to take that loss. People are going to get written up. People are going to lose their jobs. People are going to get retrained. At least I hope they get retrained. And it's all because we just kind of found each other on Twitter. It's, it's amazing stuff. Guys, I do this. And, and, and again, thank you so much, Sarah. Seriously. I mean, you, you don't understand. To, to do all this work. And I, don't, I, didn't, I spent literally an hour of time on Sarah. Which is, you know, not much. Because it was that easy, it was that blatant of fraud that I can point it out. It's like a really good, you know, drama on TV. Like you're like, oh man, it's 9:52 p.m. This show's gonna end soon. I wonder if they're gonna get it resolved. Oh yeah, James got it resolved. <laughs> you know, right in time for your late local news. You know, I, I thank you so much for your trust um, because it takes a lot to trust someone with your information and your story. And I'm glad that you listened to the podcast. I'm glad that you saw that I help others, and I'm glad I got this done. Shout out to Brian in Chicago again. Thank you so much for letting me tell your story in August, which honestly um, led to the podcast that Sarah listened to, which allowed me to help her. Um, got a friend for life, my friend Brian. You're a Sox fan. I'm a Cubs fan, but it doesn't matter. We um, are both anti-Bank of America people, and that's all That's all that matters. To Bank of America in this situation, my former company, I used to be on hold for hours in my office with customers, getting yelled at by my superior, saying, James, why are you helping this customer? You got a new account in the lobby. 
let the fraud department help it. And I used to tell my manager, I don't know about this fraud department. They just never are helpful. And every time I leave my customer alone with them, they leave the office pissed off. I was like, I don't want to leave them in my office. I want to talk to them and help them. To the fraud department of Bank of America. I'm coming for you guys. I'm coming for you. Wire Bank sucks. Vigilante customer service has rescued $360,000 since April 1st. $360,000 that was recovered and rescued uh, by your, you know, from your incompetence. From the way that you incompetently handle things. I don't know if incompetently is a word. <laughs> the, the way that you mishandle requests. You lose documents whenever customers fax them. By the way, let them scan them by email. Who the hell faxes stuff anymore? Literally, fax is the way that they want to do things. This is in 1985. Learn how to accept emails like a normal person. You lose documents. You don't call back. You delay and stall. And then you decline the people that you don't want to help simply based on their balances. I know what you're up to. I was in Las Cruces, New Mexico. The people who had fraud in their accounts, guess what? They had like $20 in their account. Today's the third of the month. They would get their Social Security deposit for $750. They'd take it all out. They'd have fraud. And guess what? They'd be broke. And then they owe the bank. And then they get next month's check. And they're at zero. They're not going to be able to eat. They're not going to be able to pay their bills because of you guys. This is an indictment of Bank of America's fraud claims department. And, you know, Wells Fargo does it too. But I'm familiar with Bank of America fraud claims from all the years I worked at Bank of America. And I knew that they were going to screw Sarah over. I just knew it. And I told her that. I said, honestly, I'm thankful I found you because you would have lost your money. I'm, I'm on to you guys. Bank of America, it's it's um, it's on. Wire Bank sucks, Vigilante Customer Service. This podcast, my project, is going to show the world what you guys do. And I don't care if I become super famous because of it. Even if I'm making $10,000 a year, enough to pay my bills. If I can help people the way that I help Sarah, I'll gladly do it. Just to prove that you guys suck at what you do. So whether it's a bank across the country essentially cashing checks without identifying someone who lives across the country, gives them the money, whether it's the Fraud and Claims Department of Bank of America stalling a customer for 60 business days, literally trying to bleed it into March before they supposedly are going to get their money, whether it's a bank trying to politic its way out of taking losses, screwing the customer over who got ripped off in the meantime. Whether it's a consistent pattern of um, fraud claims denied by Bank of America Fraud Claims Department and the fact that my vigilante customer service is proving it. My friends, those are a lot of reasons why your bank sucks. To Sarah to Brian and August, to everyone who listens to this podcast. My name is James Baca, and I thank you for listening to my podcast. Because, you know what? My throat is killing me, but I need to do this podcast because it means so much. Hooker analogies aside, (laughs) this podcast is here to help the customer. This customer is here to make sure that people get their money back. And I'm going to work hard. I will not stop. Bank of America, Wells Fargo, you try to stop me. I'm not going to stop. The book is going to come out. The podcast is going to get bigger. I'm going to get more customers' money back. I am. Yours truly, James Baca, the Notorious Better Banking Guy, host of Wired Bank Sucks and the Notorious Podcast. My Twitter account, at BankBetterGuy, Big Banks, we're coming for you, so watch out for us. After this brief promotional consideration, I'll be right back to wrap it up, so please stick around. All right, we're back. 
I've already taken up way too much of your time today. Sarah, thank you so much for your time. Thank you so much for your trust. Thank you so much for letting me help you. Guys, thank you so much for listening to the podcast. I really, really appreciate it. It means the world to me. It means the world to me to have success stories like this. This was a success story that the day after Thanksgiving, I didn't think I was going to be able to write. Sarah gave me the opportunity, and in one day, we got her money back. That's that's rock and roll, my friends. I love it. I absolutely love it. Guys, if you love what I do, patreon.com slash notoriousbanker. Donate a dollar. Donate $2. Donate $5. Whatever you see fit, whatever you think my worth is to help people of this great country of ours get their money back and get better service from big banks, please donate it to patreon.com slash notoriousbanker. I also accept Cash App, Venmo, uh, PayPal, not Zelle because Zelle is evil and it's a whole other mess of problems. Um, please do that. I have a book coming out. It's coming out really, really soon. The The wheels on the bus are going, okay? The wheels on the bus are moving. This project is only going to get bigger and stronger. And with the support of these loyal followers that I have, I know that we're going to get there and we're going to help a lot more people. From the bottom of my heart, thank you so much for that, guys. Oh, and of course, I forgot to mention, if you have an iPhone, if you have iTunes, please leave a five-star review. Please leave a five-star review. Put A+, put good job, James. Do whatever you want. Leave a five-star review. We got Bank of America Associates leaving one-star reviews, guys. There's one person that I know that infiltrated my little my little cocoon over here, and I know that they're Bank of America Associates by the questions they were asking me. They left a one-star review on the podcast. Leave a five-star review. Just say A+, good job, James. The Notorious Better Banking Guy podcast, leave a five-star review for that. Help us get up the charts on iTunes. That way more people can find us. Share my page on Twitter, at BankBetterGuy, with your friends and family. Have them follow me. Have them mute me because I do tweet a lot. Just have them support me just kind of, you know, blindly. Have that number go up. That way more people can find us. That way more success can happen. It's a weird, unique request, but I know that it'll work, guys. Trust me, this is just getting started. Again, Sarah, thank you so much. Thank you so much, everyone. My name is James Baca, and I just told you why your bank sucks. Enjoy your evening. We'll talk to you very soon. Good night, everyone.